0: Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome back to the Leading Edge Cricket Podcast. It's England Watch Time. We are getting stuck into England versus the Netherlands. There is this exceptional test match series going on at the moment. Rich has got sunburn; He's been there for two days. Johnny Bairstow's eating ham and cheese and drinking coffee and going and smashing one of the greatest centuries we've ever seen. Whilst a team of English players are on the plane currently, probably even already there, are sat in the mm-hmm. Netherlands ready for three one-day internationals. So we're going to go through that. We're going to preview that. As well as all the fallout from the England Black Cap series, I'm Rob. This is Rich. Welcome to the podcast, Rich. How's the come down from the second Test match? Are you, are you, have you gone from you're like, yeah, I'm on top of the world to oh, it's a it's a it's a long wait till the next game of cricket. I'm going to wait to see. Oh no, wait, no, you're off to Amsterdam.
1: <laughs> I am. Yeah, yeah, we're, I'm off to, for, the, for the third ODI. So I'll be watching very carefully on Friday, which is tomorrow uh, when we're recording. We're recording this on Thursday. Yeah, looking forward to it. I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. I think I've got a professional's uh, characteristic in one way that I'm never too up, never too down when it comes to sport these days, but I just lack the ability uh, to have been a professional. Um, So I would have coped with it, but just not been able to actually see the ball or get uh, a wicket. You you know the
0: um, the never too up, never too down syndrome normally comes from someone that supports a team that has probably been pretty average for a long time. You just... Over time, it beats you down and accept it, like the English cricket team has. But all of a sudden, like I all like to... the negativity mm. on Twitter is just completely gone and positivity rises.
1: I would like to think it's a great characteristic that I've developed myself, but yes, it probably is from all the sporting teams uh, that I have supported. But we have had success in recent years for a number you of got, teams. Have, anyway, hey, so just quickly talking of food, you were talking about Johnny Bairstow and his famous cheese toastie and coffee that powered him to his hundred and thirty-six. Um, there there was photos of him in a place called Mega Mega Munch in uh, the middle of Nottingham late last night. Jo- Olly Pope with far too much kebab meat. Uh, jo- Jimmy Anderson stood at the counter there. Alex Lee's waiting for his takeaway. The lads look like they had a great time in Nottingham to celebrate the win. Good on them, but far too much of the dodgy uh, kebab meat there, uh, Ollie Pope. <laughs> Not good.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I like it, mate. And there is actually plenty of fallout going on at the moment around the the, the test match scene, mm. like. Break it down for me. What's going on with the Black Caps? Let's start there because the, yeah. there is movement again. They've already lost Absolutely. Colin Grand Hole. And what else is going on?
1: Yeah, we've got the notebook open here, haven't we? So Carl Jamieson, obviously, we knew he he couldn't bowl in the second innings. He came out yeah. to bat but couldn't field or bowl. He's returned to New Zealand, so he's obviously he's out confirmed of the third test. Uh, it's a back issue for the big man. Um, New Zealand have called up Blair Tickner. Um, don't know much about him initially, but you look on Crick Info and he's got a wonderful mustache. Uh, so I already am warmed up to Blair Tickner. Um, he's come in as cover for the seamers. Obviously, Neil Wagner is also in the squad, so you'd expect him uh, to come under consideration for the third and final test. Uh, a 30-year-old wicketkeeper as well, Dane Cleaver, has been called up into the test side for the Kiwis for the first time as well, Rob. After reserve keeper Cam Fletcher, he sustained a hamstring strain whilst fielding his 12th man on day four of the second test. New Zealand did not have it good um in that test for, for injuries niggles strains whatever you want to call it so so that's a, a little bit of a, a jiggle with the squad there
0: yeah, a little bit of a jiggle they a are little bit. Unfortunately, going through the rigor a little bit in terms of availability, it's like having your Sunday 11 and everyone's gone out the Saturday night before. Someone's got in a fight at the kebab shop and someone else is too hungover, and you turn up with nine. So, it's <laughs> they're having a really hard time of it. And the guys that are there are backs against the wall, the 2 0 down, mm. they need to come out fighting. I think what you'll see is you'll probably see Neil Wagner come into this lineup, and I think they really missed him in that second mm. test match, especially at Trembridge. That sort of wicket. It's a it's a ground that can, um, the pitch can be pretty flat, even though it does swing around and it's a lightning fast mm-hmm. outfield. And they really missed him because he is, there's stats that go around. And uh, I think it was Hamish Bennett wrote a, an article on him, on stuff down here in New Zealand. And he was essentially saying he's got the most dismissals of set batters over like the last five, 10 years, most wickets with short balls and breaks up the most hundred run partnerships. Um, during Mm. the last 10 years. So someone like that on a flat deck who Mm. can bowl overs and overs and overs would have been absolutely huge for them. And it is going to be a little bit of a shame. You touch on Tinkner, and I've seen Blair Tinkner play at Eden Park in a T20, I think, against Australia back in 2018. It wasn't... I don't think it was his finest performance. I think he went around the park. But you talk of Crick info, and I'm going to make sure I post this up. His mo is fantastic. But you it look is. at Dane Cleaver, and I don't oh know if it. you've looked at his profile he's, picture. He's 12, year old, 12 years old. He's 12 years old, Dane Cleaver. is straight from his school book. He's got the curly <laughs> hair, the white teeth, little eyes. Like boy, He's a serious cricketer, mate. He's a really good mm. cricketer. plays central districts. Averages 41.14 from 66 first-class mm. matches. Seven centuries to his name. A little bit out of form. He ended the season pretty poorly, actually, with not many runs at all. But overall, he's someone that's probably earned the right to get a call up at some stage. And you know what? It's it's coming at 30 years old for him. And these guys coming in, unless something happens, I don't think they'll play. But I, I do find it strange when you talk about teams and you talk about Williamson, COVID, you're out at, at the second test. Um, then it goes to Michael Bracewell, like, surely more people are involved in this yeah, unit that may potentially have COVID. Like a lot could change over a week. Yeah, yeah, I was just about to come on to that point as well. So
1: obviously, we've we've seen the players come in as cover for the injured players, but Michael Bracewell, as, like has just said, has tested positive for COVID after the second test. He's he's got a five day quarantine period now, so it's going to be touch and go, isn't it? We start on uh, next Thursday, so a week yeah. from today, as we record, um, will be the start of the next test. So he should have enough time, assuming he doesn't obviously have any issues with it. Um, and that he can get a negative test in in that time. Um, so um, we, we should see apparently a couple of members of the Kiwi backroom test, uh, team were test positive also. Um, so that's something that we're just going to have to keep an eye on, isn't it, as we build up to the third test. It could be one of those. Uh, Cam Fletcher was a conversation piece, wasn't he, to actually come in as a batsman um, in the in the second test. So um, Dane Cleaver, wonderful name. Uh, he might get himself a go. You never know if if it sweeps through the squad. Uh, but not great preparation. We did not expect New Zealand to come over here and struggle in the way they have. First test, you almost understand it. They didn't really have enough preparation, although they did play against a, a county a select 11, mm. which was, we've not really, we were ill, you know, you particularly, when that was happening. So we didn't really get a chance to talk about that. But oh, that was such a wonderful thing that, they, that they've done. Pick uh, inform county 11, some young players, some experienced players, get them playing against the touring side. We need more of this. Um, so just touching on that, I thought that was just such a wonderful idea. We saw some good performers in that. Um, certain, uh, so A few knots players as well. Certainly and Patterson-White, who's been catching the eye this week. Um, if England need a spinner, uh, just <laughs> point it out there. We uh, need a left but, arm
0: uh, spinner that wants to try and take wickets. Yeah, that's a bit hard. has so so drop catches.
1: Yeah, well, catchers. Mm. Okay. Um, but yeah, New Zealand, you kind of understand it, how they struggled initially because they didn't have a lot of preparation. You, then you think they come into second test, they put 500 up, and you think, here we go, we're into the series. But no, England pull it out of the bag 2-0. It's, it's and now off-field uh, shenanigans. Um,
0: mm. it's I've not worked a good out why series. Carl Jameson is on his way back to Auckland, though. He mm-hmm. absolutely stacks up. He's an Auckland boy. Mm-hmm. Auckland Blues, we're playing in the Super Rugby final on Saturday at oh. home against the Crusaders. And the Blues, ah. I've been here for eight years, have been woeful for eight years, ah. and have been worse than that for the previous twenty years. So, uh, right. maybe ten years before then. So he's getting back to watch a bit of rugby,
1: <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> allegedly, I've worked, I've yeah. worked it out. <laughs> um,
0: what about um, slow over rates, Rich? England getting a bit of a rap on the wrists.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's a pretty hefty wrap on the wrist as well, isn't it? They've been fined forty percent of the match fee, deducted two World Test Championship points for slow overrate. I think they were down at oof, what I can't remember what they said now. You know what? In the grand scheme of that game, that's probably the one game where you're thinking, "I don't mind the slow overrates too much" because that was pretty good fun. Um, but it, but whilst at the game, it was a ridiculously slow, um, slow moving Test match in a lot of ways. The final day obviously was fireworks and explosions. <clears throat> Uh, but something's got to be done. I know they keep changing the ball. It's it's like they test whether they can change the ball every two or three overs. You know, does it go through the hole? Does it not go through the hole? Mm. Uh, for the umpires, if you've not seen that, just watch the umpires next time. Um, you, you then got them actually changing the ball. So that's all taken into account, apparently. You wicket, boundaries, et cetera. But England were still very, very slow. So it is something that they need to improve on. Um, the punters aren't getting money's worth, are they? Fifth day, it was free. <laughs> you know, you're not going to worry. Um, <laughs> but but it is, it, it does need to be addressed and, uh, you know, you don't think of it after this this Test match because of how exciting it was. Um, but England have got to do something about it. We don't want to be losing Ben Stokes for a game because that will in, in, it, it inevitably yeah. will happen if we continue with this.
0: <laughs> we've earned 40 points in the World Test Championship this time around since it started. <laughs> we've mate. we've had four series. We've won one. Uh, we've lost two, played mm. 14 tests, won three, lost seven. And in that time, we've accumulated 40 points with 12 points of deductions for slow over rates. <laughs> like, we're next to bottom. We're off the bottom because we've won a couple of test matches, but talk about shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah. You know what? This is a test match that had the most boundaries of all time in test match cricket. I would love to know how they work out all that time that should have been mm. played because you essentially need a running clock that's got someone stopping it every single time the ball goes out of play. Because mm. there if there's more boundaries than ever before, the fielders have had to fetch the ball more than ever before. Mm-hmm. It goes under the cover. I'm making stuff up now. It goes up under the covers, and the ground staff have got to look around for it. I, I'm, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it.
1: Yeah, but you've got to remember it was England batters that did, you know, it felt like a majority of those boundaries. So uh, what's the baller's excuse? That's true. And what's Jack Leach Good doing? Saying. Jack Leach
0: bowled a load of overs to try and get through it, <laughs> yeah. bowling flat and fast, oh. and halfway down and nudging it around. That's probably that's
1: the that's I've finally found some <clears> logic <throat> and some reason of why he was bowling at the start of the fifth day. We needed to hurry up the over rate. That was why. Oh, that's We've why they bowl him on the fourth day. I now get it. I take it all back, Ben. I can understand what you were doing now. Sorry.
0: <laughs> Sorry. Um, going from something slow, laborious, and uh, 12-point deduction, or however many we got in that single game, to shooting to the top.
1: Oh, look at you refining your little handover. Uh, Joe Root, back to number one test batter. Was it ever in doubt, Rob? Um, He's back at number one in the test rankings, obviously. I don't think there is a... There is not... Sorry, I'm going to say I don't think... No, I'm changing that. There is not a better batsman in world cricket at the moment. Kane Williamson is off the boil. Virat Kohli, love him. He's 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 been off it for a while now, hasn't he? He's certainly not yeah. old preem premium uh prime uh, Virat Kohli. Steve Smith? Yes, Steve Smith's good. Lavashane was number 1. You yeah. know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Joe Root is head and shoulders at the moment. Head and shoulders number 1 batsman in the world. I'm not
0: trying to be sensational, but please tell me if you think I'm wrong. He is Eight hundred ninety. I I don't like the world rankings or the player rank. I don't like much, but I don't like particularly. Don't like the ranking system. The fact that he wasn't number one before this innings is an absolute joke for a guy that has now scored ten centuries within the last (laughs) eighteen months of international cricket, and no one is even close (laughs) to what he's been able to achieve. And it's only now he goes to the top. the The point I want to make out of all that is not that the rankings suck that his 897 points he's got actually isn't his career best either. In 2015, during the the mm. Ashes, he got up to 917 points during that time, which is, I, I don't know, that's like the crazy sort of numbers that he's mm. been able to go and achieve over his career. He's had a couple of really solid periods um, in his Test match career where he's been next level, and one of them was 2014-2015, where... He was able to go it. But for all this, for all his 917 points during his last peak that he was going through, still doesn't get him into the top 20 ranking points of all time. Number one is obviously Don Bradman. And just putting this in context, Bradman got up to a record of 961 rating points. And in the history of Test cricket, no one has come that close. Steve Smith in 2018 got up to 947
1: which is still
0: quite a big difference between him and uh, the Don. So no surprises, Don at the top. Or <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised no one's got near because there's been players that have had really solid three or four year windows, yeah. but nowhere near.
1: Yeah, it's just a mystery to me all those points. I've never really looked into how they, the, the points. I know it's on opposition and uh, you know um, the facilities, etc. So there's all that monkeyed about, but it's just numbers. These numbers just appear. It's just it's all magical. Um, I'm more interested. As great as it is, Joe is number one, but it's like, of course, he's number one. What are you talking about? Why? Yeah. Why are you telling me that? Because he's it always been number one. I'm more interested about the person that was number fifty in the world, Rob. He's now 17, 33 places. Oh, I feel like I'm on top of the pops. Up thirty three places this week, to number seventeen. <laughs> Daryl Mitchell,
0: yeah.
1: And somebody, I believe it was Jonathan Jonathan Young, um, who's been on the pod before pointed out a canny resemblance of Daryl Mitchell with our co-host here, Robert, Bobby, Bob. Daryl Mitchell, side by side. We need a picture at this point, Rob. Post editing. You know what? Stick one in there. Get a Daryl Mitchell in there. see We can put him in the box to replace you on YouTube if you're watching it on video.
0: <laughs> I, I can see it. And I think it's because normally my beard's longer and I can see his beard and face shape. Yeah. very very similar to mine and you know what i always looked at him and thought what a dashing fellow
1: No, oh, come on do you know what he doesn't have though he doesn't have a top knot if you didn't no, if you've not seen the second test uh review podcast second test review podcast go and find it out on, on here on youtube go and have a look rob didn't have a hat on he didn't have his hair like that he had it as a damn crazy top knot didn't
0: approve don't it's approve. an all-round shocking haircut i'm, I'm going to be honest but um i think yeah. i mentioned to you before when the price of a haircut comes down from $55, <laughs> I'm going to go and get my haircut. <laughs> it could be waiting a long time. <laughs> Who cares about diesel and petrol prices? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Auckland's having price. a
1: crisis of haircut prices. So, so yeah, so that's, that's the big news. The only other England bit of news that we've got, um, if you want to call it a bit of clearing out the notebook this week, um, is we've had a lot of chat about people wanting to get back into this test team already. The bandwagon. Mm-hmm. Um, is filling up rapidly. Moen Ali's um, expressed an interest. He's been speaking to Brendan McCullum, talking about how he has certainly never closed the door on Test cricket. Um, I thought he had done. Uh, but he's interested in coming back. Um, and he's had a positive conversation, certainly about Pakistan over this winter, where England will obviously need to play two spinners and they'll need at least three in the squad. Moen Ali makes so much sense for that series. Um, personally, I wouldn't want him back in as my number one spinner. I think there's, um, there's some young players that we need to give opportunities to in order to, to see what we've got. That would be the wrong move, in my opinion. But overseas, subcontinent, uh, where we need two spinners, I think Moan would be great. I think Adil Rashid as well has also um, potentially you know made a few noises to suggest that he might be open to a return as well. So we shall see. I really do hope Matt Parkinson is on that plane over the winter, uh, or at least one of the young spinners.
0: I can see the logic, particularly mm-hmm. around, and a Moeen Ali call-up, because England had amazing balance. When Moeen Ali was at his best, yep. England had amazing balance in that lineup, and they had a yep. potential top-six player coming in at seven or eight. My problem with Moeen Ali, and I want to make this perfectly clear, was for a long period of time, his spinning mm. as a bowler, as a front-line spinner, was not good enough for Test Match Cricket. That's yep. my take on it. His record is brilliant. Don't get me wrong. 195 wickets hit an average of 36. The average is a little high. Now, I did mm-hmm. a, a whole bunch of statistics around from 2012 to 2022. How did bowlers operate against top six batters? Because that's where mm-hmm. you really earn your money. Generally, as a bowler, can you get out of these? And out of 45 bowlers that have bowled, that had taken fifty wickets. That was the criteria I used against top six batters. Ali was bottom of that list and averaged forty nine with the ball against top six batters. That is why when I've heard talk of Ali coming back in, I've kind of gone, not as a frontline spinner. Can't be the no. frontline. Can't be the number one not, spinner. But no, if you're in that's Pakistan the distinction. And you need a second spinner, and you need extra batting because the the decks are flat. Like actually in Pakistan, Australia versus. Pakistan, I think Pakistan batted the longest fourth innings innings ever in yeah. terms of balls. Like It was so dull. It was dishwater. Mm-hmm. Al Hak got a double, uh, got 100 in both innings, and he hadn't scored any runs in Test Match Cricket for three years. So it was really flat. So I can see Moe involved mm-hmm. in that. But what I don't want to see is Jack Leach get dropped as a frontline spinner and Moe and Ali come in as the frontline spinner after, because I don't think it's the right decision to make. Um, and I don't think it's the right decision to make for Adil Rashid. And I think I've spoke about this before. The guy's almost 35 years old. I mm. see it as a step backwards. For a long period of time, hands down, best spinner in the country. Just didn't play mm. Red ball cricket. That was his choice. Mm. At 34, coming back in with no Red ball relevant experience over the last few years. And the last time he was in the team, he didn't set the world alight. 60 wickets at an average of 39. I don't feel it's the right move. Leach yeah. and Parkinson are the best two spinners in the country in red ball cricket at the moment, and they're the ones that should get um, first spinner opportunities.
1: Yeah, that's fair enough. It's interesting to see the players wanting to get back involved, though, isn't it? There's a few voices around the periphery. Obviously, we're all very excited about this test setup. Uh, we've been excited about the white ball for a while. We know how good England have been in both the uh, fifty over and uh, the the twenty over test match. Suddenly, everybody's interested. Everyone's excited. I'm going to mention him this week, Rob. You always crowbar a mention into the KP. Even he wants a job. Funnily enough, oh me, me, me. Oh, does he? KP, KP's talking about how coaches need to not worry about losing jobs and stuff. So if if they need any help, you know, I'm here," says Kevin. Um, there's always an ulterior motive for Kevin. Oh, hi, <laughs> I hire him as well. You can go and wash the pots or something. Not even He's to play good. cricket,
0: just just to be here. <laughs> just to wind on, me up. <laughs> you can come and deliver some projects with me, Kev. I'm sure. It's I'm sure you'll look to the communications, mate. <laughs> He'd franchise it, mate. He'd sell it off. Um, <laughs> he so. franchise it. I'm all in on it. Whatever Kevin's doing, I'm all yeah. in on it. Great guys. So it. so it is exciting,
1: and we can't wait for that third and final test. It's going to be fun. But England have already won the series. It's been a long time since we've been able to say that. Rob, let's get across the uh, the water. Let's get across into Holland, Netherlands. We're in Amsterdam. We're in Amstelfien, um to be precise. It's not. Where a is that? Is that actually
0: area. in Amsterdam?
1: Yes, it's just a suburb south of uh, Amsterdam, or south-ish, depending on which way you've got the map up. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how I work out at the compass. Just depends which way you hold the map. The south is that way. <laughs> it's not how it works. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, so it's, it's like a, you know. 30 40 minute bus ride from from where yeah. we're staying i think so yeah really looking forward so it looks quite a picturesque setting uh england are there already matthew mott the new head coach who we've not had a chance to speak about the aussie <clears throat> who took the job um he of ex uh australia ladies ex- australia women's um who's had a, a long and very very successful career coaching then uh also he was up for the australia job he, he went for the job he interviewed for it before andrew mcdonald got it Um he didn't think he had much of a chance because obviously andrew mcdonald was already uh, an assistant so um, but then apparently the company that was doing the um, the interviews, uh, the the process, should I say, um they were also doing the England job. Um, so he, he worked his way into that conversation as well. So, ah. um, interesting how these things work, isn't it? It's very much a who you know how you get jobs for England at the moment. Straussy knew Rob Key. Rob Key
0: knew <laughs> Brendan McCullum. You know, <laughs> I should, should invite him <laughs> onto the podcast, mate. We might get a job. Um, what, <laughs> what, what, what do you make of Mott as a as no. a
1: I know very little about him. So far, he's been quite deferential to Owen Morgan, as you'd probably expect. It's, it's yes. almost felt like Owen Morgan has been in charge of the, the white ball setup yeah, he uh, is. for a few yeah. years now. Um, obviously, as a captain, Owen Morgan is incredibly um, successful. He's very um, talented as a captain. He's very important as a captain. Um, I've always had my issues off the field. There is a personal vendetta he has towards Alex Hales, one of the finest white ball players in, in, in world cricket, in my opinion. And he still can't get a game. He's still getting punished repeatedly uh, for something that happened many years ago, which he rightly served the punishment and a ban for. But um, the fact that he's not allowed in, just uh, it will always just overshadow Morgan's achievements in my eyes. Um, so he's deferring to him. He doesn't want to get involved too much at the moment. He's going to tinker around the edges a little bit. But it's going to be a bit of a viewing brief, isn't it? Um, the only thing he has really pointed out uh, go, you know, for this one in the interview yesterday on Sky was that death bowling. There's an opportunity for seamers out there. For yeah, the death is... bowling in the fifty overs. Um and he spoke about it. It's like, you know, I'm waiting for someone to step up basically. So it's interesting what his initial focus is. Uh it's quite an experienced batting lineup. We'll get into the squads in a sec. Um so yeah, I don't know how much he's been involved in the squad even. I think Morgan's probably had more of a say than Yeah, not, it's, it's
0: Morgan's gig. It like even when it really is. It commentators wants it. Yeah, when commentators talk about it, it's like it's Owen Morgan's thing and anyone else is just living in it. And that's absolutely fine. But I think Mott brings, Mm. one, a wealth of experience, but also someone that's held in such high regard. Meg uh, Meg Lanning did an interview Mm. about him and just said, creates a great environment, great people person, will do anything for his players to help make them better. His Mm. attitude isn't, if it's not working, let's go drill them. If it's not working, hey, let's go grab a coffee, let's go take a break, enjoy some time with your family and kind of strikes a good balance between yeah. serious and fun. And he's just as likely to go on WhatsApp and send a, a dad joke as he is offering some sort of technical advice. Yeah. Some things that struck me when I was looking through, one, he came in under Bayliss when he was at New South yeah. Wales. And then when he took over from his first year, went and won the Sheffield Shield. And in 2013, Glamorgan got to the Pro 40 final and lost to Knott's. I think you might have been there that year. Uh, yeah, was that a Lord's final? A Lord's final, yeah, 2013. Yes, yes. yes it was. Yeah, I've been to both of those uh, So he finals. was coaching was the Glamorgan yeah. then. Glamorgan wicket keepers come forward mm. and said, best coach I've ever, I've ever worked under. <sighs> right. Obviously, as Australian women, they've created a dynasty, multiple Ashes winners, yep. uh, two-time T20 World Cup winners, set the record of 26 straight victories in one-day internationals, 2021 Ashes win. Um, he's got an excellent... Excellent resume for, for someone to go and be a coach for the England mm. team. He's done Sheffield Shield, he's done county cricket, he's done Australian international cricket uh, with the women, and now he's going for England One Day mm. International Men's. He's also worked with Rob Key in the past. Uh, they yeah. worked yeah. on a cricket coaching exchange back in 2007 or 2008, and way. he worked with Brendan McCullum in the IPL. Right. So just so much good stuff coming yeah. out. And I think the difference is McCullum's come in and he's, he's here like rock bottom England team trying Mm. to get them going forward. England white ball expectations are really high. Like Mm. we feel we should be in semi-final Mm. correction. We feel we should be in the Mm. final in contention to win any competition going around and anything less than that, like the T20 World Cup we just had is a a little bit of a failure. So it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. Mm. It's going to be interesting because it is a, it's almost a more difficult team to come in and take control of when mm. you've got established leadership in Owen Morgan and you've got a really good dynasty that's just rolling on.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it's good that he comes across in the way you've explained. We gone is the age of the the shouting and bellowing coach, which is why I didn't want Justin Langer as, as talented yeah. as a person as a coach and, and everything <laughs> else. He, he's not suited to this style over here. I think if Australia won him, then that's fine. Um, Australia is a cool country but there are, there are some things that they are in the, the dark ages with and maybe that sort of uh, confrontational approach is something that's a lot more accepted uh, in sporting culture over there for now I think this is a way forward we've seen it in different sports I've seen it personally at Forest this year not personally you know what I mean um, as a fan with Steve Cooper and it's a different approach it's about being personable it's about being open door it's about being uh, on a level with players as well isn't it and understanding them and and having that empathy um, and creating a good dressing room that manages itself. You don't have to love everybody you're playing a team with, but if you can all get on and all understand each other's perspectives, including the coaches staff to players and back and forth, you, you're going to have success, aren't you? It's great as well that you've got a solid relationship with McCullum from the off. It's going to be clear uh, communication, isn't it? There's not going to be confrontation there when we're talking about who needs who. There's going to be times when the white ball needs uh, test players and they need to prioritise test players and vice versa. There's going to be times when test players cannot even be considered. Uh, for any of the white ball stuff because of what's coming ahead. So there's going to be those demands that are placed upon the two coaches and it's how they get through that to make sure it does work. We've not had the split coaching for a number of years now, have we? It's got to be the way forward. It just has to be. So it has to work Um, It's as simple as that. and They've got to make it work. So, yes, so we are in... Sorry, go on,
0: Rob. I was going to say, Rob Key's got a little bit of stroke of genius going on about him at the moment, hasn't he? He's he's making good good decisions. You know, the Stokes one was an obvious one, but McCullum wasn't obvious. But he's no. pairing mentalities and abilities yes. together to go. Yeah. Okay, so if this is who we want to be, who fits who fits the mold of what we want to yeah. do? It's. I, I yeah. really like it. I like his decision making yeah. so far. It
1: seems to have been good. It's a little bit outside the box thinking, isn't it? Which is good. I just my only obviously with any decision. Let's see how it is in six months, in a year's time, um, before we make too much of a judgment. But initially, mm. early, it seems good. We don't know anything about Mott performance on the field yet, and I don't think we can allocate anything positive or negative in this series uh, to Mott, really. It's too soon, isn't it? Yeah. Um But we'll, we'll see down the road how they go. The only slight concern I've got is that there is a little bit of that, you know, Rob Key, oh, I had a chat with Baz, uh, Brenda McCullum. you know, maybe you should go for the job, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, you just want to make sure that there is a nice open process. Let's make sure we've not missed any really good candidates by going for somebody we think is going to be a good candidate that we know. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we we will withhold we'll judgment, but early early returns certainly on McCullum have been uh, been exceptional and stoked, obviously. Um, right, Rob, we are in the Netherlands. We've moved over there uh, Friday, so tomorrow is the first ODI. As you say, a little statement called Fien. Uh, I believe it'll be on Sky. I should hope it will be. Um, we then follow up on Sunday and then Wednesday when I will be in attendance. Uh, yeah, looking forward to it. As long as EasyJet don't cancel me, they seem to have a habit of doing that at the moment. Um, so, um, supporting Matthew Motlow is quite interesting, Rob. We've got Mark Elaine, who was also over in West Indies uh, with England for a little while, and Neil Colleen, a couple of old names from county Cricket. Um, they're helping the coaches out alongside Richard Dawson and Carl Hopkinson. So, let's get through the squad, Rob, and then we'll start picking a bit out. So, we've got Owen Morgan as captain, Moen Ali, Joss Butler, uh, player of the series from the recent IPL, is back. Bryden Cast from Durham, Sam Curran, Liam Livingston, David Milan, David Payne, Adil Rashid, Jason Roy, Phil Salt, uh, who you could class as the second wicket-keeper in this as well. Reese Topley, David Willey, and Luke Wood. So before I let you jump in, Rob, big takeaway from the squad has to be, well, apart from a few notable absentees in the back department, which I'm going to get on to, is that England really love left-arm seamers. We have five of them, Rob. Five. Love five. Luke Wood. Absolutely. Luke Wood's getting his first international call-up. David Payne also, um, he you'd expect he's in line for an England debut. The other's obviously being Sam Curran, topic Topley and David Willie, who's just announced he's going to be rejoining Northamptonshire next summer after spending eight years with Yorkshire. I'm not going to speak anything today about his underwhelming uh, little statement he put out. Uh, Brydon Cast, the 21-year-old big fella from Durham, is strangely the only right-arm seamer in this squad. So what do you make of the squad first, Rob? Um, and what do you think of this new obsession with let's get some variety in the tack and left armor. and then we go oh hang on a sec we've only got left armors in the squad so where's the variety
0: (laughs) yeah we did we did it in the west (laughs) indies in the t20s didn't we We, yeah yeah. david payne and i can't even remember who else was in but we we had one game where we had three left armors playing in the same (laughs) game and i was like this is getting a little silly um i am happy to see And I think he'll get a go because if I think of England white ball cricket, predominantly Mm. at the moment you see T20 cricket. One day feels like a dying format a lot because it's Mm. not played very often anymore, Um, particularly with the T20 World Cup happening so often at the moment. So you think of where are the gaps in the England white ball team? The gaps for me, given the amount of injuries we've got, is generally around death bowling like mm. we struggled in the T20 World Cup with uh, Chris Jordan was pretty average Tim L. Mills wasn't always firing mm. particularly at the death David Payne may well be the answer to all of our problems something i didn't think i'd be saying a year ago 17 wickets at an average of 10 in the blast this year mm-hmm. um told the west indies didn't get a game but constantly overperforms 30 odd years old plenty of experience to go mm. by wouldn't surprise me if England want to use him and it wouldn't surprise me if England want to see him at the death as well because he can bowl mm-hmm. that role um, for his county as well. So I think I, I like that selection and I also like the continuity of Brydon Kars coming in because remember a couple of years ago, Pakistan, mm-hmm. the whole team's wiped out. In comes a brand new one-day international squad. Kars got three one-day internationals, took five for against Pakistan in that. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing about Kars, and I, I, I scratch my head is, He's only played 10 List A games in his whole career. His mm. whole career. And that's three crazy. of them were uh, one-day internationals. All the other stuff is either four-day cricket or it's T20 cricket. So that's, that might be more of the norm, particularly going forward with the 100 and the impacts the 100 has on the schedule with the good players playing in the 100 and not playing in uh, 40, 50 over cricket. So that's going to be really interesting. Um, two, two more things to touch on. Phil Salt in the order. Salt, mm. incredible. Incredible in the PSL, incredible in the t yep. 10. Wherever he goes, whatever he does, he touches it, it turns to gold. Not having a great blast this season. He'll get there, though. He always does. But he has performed well in first-class cricket, batting in the middle order. Now, one of the problems I had was he played T20 cricket for England in the West Indies. He got 50 in one game. The other games, he was batting down at six or seven. That's that's not Phil Salt. Phil Salt right. is an is an opener in white ball cricket. He's I don't know. I see him as like the next, it's not the next version of a Johnny Besto opening for England or a Jason Roy opening for England, but it's someone that can open for England and could be like a career generational, like 10-year mm. slot sort of player. Yeah. Scored a 50 against Pakistan when he came in the one day as a few years ago. I want to see him open, I want to see him bat, and I want to see him bat with Jason Roy, who is mm. absolutely red hot. Just scored eighty-one against Middlesex, fifty against Sussex in the game before that. 98 won the international show. He should tick up 100 ODIs for England while he's away. And I Mm. think he's one of five or six players in the world that average over 40 and have a strike rate of over 100 with 3,500 runs to the name. Mm. So you're talking absolutely insane levels of um, just success. And one of the other names on that list is Johnny Bairstow. So that's how high a regard that Jason Roy is in, mate.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who plays where, who gets the opportunities. Phil Salt, like we, we spoke about previously, didn't we, over in West Indies and other times? We want to see him at the top of the order. That's where he plays, certainly in T20. Um, we'll see where they line him up in here. He's had a really good test, uh, County um, Red Bull uh, summer yes. so far as well, uh, keeping wicket. He's almost, you know, he's turning himself into somebody that will be in consideration if they need to turn to somebody else with the gloves, batting a little bit, you know, in that sort of wicket-keeper slot for Lancashire and Red Bull. Um, Brian cars, I'd, I, I, Typo As soon as I said he was 21, it was like, Hang on, I said that's not right, that's a typo. <laughs> he's 20 he's 26, I, I, I've knocked five years off him. Um, he's been one of them yeah. players that feels like he's a young up and coming player, so that's why it probably rolled off so easily to me. Uh, but he is actually 26, um, Port Elizabeth born, uh, fella as well. Uh, the, the big Durham man is um, 26 also the same age as Luke Wood. I would have probably said Luke Wood was older than that, isn't that strange? Yeah, I would, uh, he's, he's been he around a long time. Player. Yeah, it feels like he must have come through quite quickly. But he's another seamer that Knotts have let, let go over the years who just didn't get opportunity. So he made the move. Yeah. Fair play to him. Um, but a really, really talented player. He's put a bit of pace on uh, as he's got older he, as well. Useful he can bowl with the about
0: bat. ninety at his best.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and, and very used, very handy with the bat as well. So interestingly though, um, just looking on quick info, just scouting it around this, uh, breakfast, he's not played a List A game in three years. His last one was 2019 for Knotts. He's not played one since he joined Lancashire. Uh, which is quite strange. So he's basically said, look, it's a bit like T20, isn't yeah. it? So it's not that different. Uh, but this is what's going to happen. The more and more uh, we put to the background the Royal London One Day Cup, the 50-over competition, which replicates ODIs, uh, the more it's a, t- a, a second-team competition almost, the more we're going to have players coming in saying, well, I've not played a, a list-day game. I've not played a 50-over yeah. game in a couple of years.
0: Uh, Liam Livingston kind of falls into that a little bit because yeah. you, th- you think how box office he is. Like He's the hottest commodity, hitting a cricket ball, um, in T20 in cricket, world. franchise yeah. cricket in front of Tim David. Don't care what anyone says. Yeah. Way in front of Tim David. Different levels <laughs> of uh, continuity yeah. and, and success. 17 T20s for England. I've questioned his ability to bowl spin and be the fifth spinner for England full-time. I see him more of a Glenn Maxwell way. Some days you might get three overs. Some days you might get one over out of him. But his batting yeah. is absolutely game-changing. 158 strike rate uh, in his T20 career so far. Also, 12 wickets at an average of 19. Now he's played three one day internationals for England, and in that time he's bowled a little bit. So I want to see how we use him in this sort mm. of situation because you do have a deal, Rashid. You've got frontline spinners there. How do we use him? Do we use him? You know, it could change the balance of the team if you've got someone that can give you five mm. overs then it's like, oh, okay, so maybe it changes our selection policy because if we've got someone else that can offer us five overs, um, it completely changes the dynamic. So those overs from Livingston I think is going to be key and also where we bat him. Do we bat him high up and let him get in or do we just see him coming in for the last 15 overs and and going bang towards the end?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, It's it's a new set. You know, Mott will have his own ideas. Morgan will have, obviously, his ideas as he always does. But it will be interesting to see how they shake out and who gets opportunities. There's only a 14-man squad, so you would hope and expect that everybody gets a game. We had the situation a couple of summers ago, uh, where they, or it might have even been last summer, where we had a squad with players, younger players coming in, and they just didn't play. They didn't get an opportunity. So we hope, I hope that's not the case with this one. Absentees, Rob. Matt Parkinson, he's not involved. I thought he might be involved. James Vince, Liam Dawson, they've been involved. Tom Banton, they've all been involved in white ball cricket recently. But for me, looking at the batting, I'm not saying the batting is light because it's quite an impressive batting card. Um, There are question marks over Morgan. This is not me being personal with Morgan. uh, But there have been concerns over him with his batting ability for quite some time now. Captain C, he's almost in the team on his own, but he said himself that he needs to be in the team as a batter and earning that spot as a batter. So it is time that Morgan started performing to make sure that those conversations go away. What about Harry Brook? What about Ben Duckett? And what about Sam Hayne of Warwickshire? Um, oh. None of those are included. We're not really giving an opportunity to some of these young players that, in my opinion, are kicking the door in, picking it up, tearing it off his hinges, picking it up, throwing it into the room, and sitting yeah. down and having a cup of tea. That's how much they've been kicking the door in for these opportunities. And they just don't seem to be able to get it in any format at the moment.
0: I don't, and, you know, and this might come back to bite us we've been so successful for seven years. Yeah, I was there at the two thousand fifteen, but when we got bowled for seven, bowled out for seventy against New Zealand, and they knocked him off in six overs. Mm-hmm. Was well, went nuts? Southie took seven for. We're a completely different unit then, and it is such a close shot. You have got to be absolutely next level elite to leapfrog someone to come into the best, into the best white ball team in the world. Pretty much, you know, you can argue South Africa at times might've been better or India um, or Australia. But I think generally most people look at England white ball over the last seven years and say, we're probably the best. And Sam Hain is one of the harshest omissions that could be going on anywhere. He's in insane Red ball form. I think he's just scored... Did he score two double hundreds or something crazy like that before? The, yeah, he did. Oh, no, 102 not out, and then 109 not out. He's gone mm-hmm. on and played in the blast. He scored runs in that. He scored 100. In fact, he scored 100 in his last three county championship games, Rich. That's mm-hmm. how good yeah. a form he's in. He averages 59 in list A cricket from 58 games. Like, maybe the game's changed too much, but if you want someone that can come in, knock the ball around building innings and give you a platform. I don't know why we keep looking past him. And he's 26. Yes, there's time on his side. But to score that many runs and get out that little seems unusual. And Harry Brook as well, who... Like As a white ball player, you could have looked before this summer and said he's more a white ball player than a red ball player. In fact, yeah, did. Yeah. And he did. That's where he had his opportunity, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And mm. he's been doing really well on the franchise circuit, but he can't get a gig.
1: It's a short squad, isn't it? Only 14 players there. And it doesn't really feel like there's a, a much cover in the batting department. Uh, they might go with all, all of the, the batters there if you're classing Mo and Ali as an all-rounder. Uh, or they might go with with five out of the six. Uh, but it just feels like it's missed an opportunity. Ben Duckey, he's got himself 145 or 130-odd balls in the last four-day game. He's got 205 half centuries this year. All of them. He's one of the leading run scorers in county cricket this year, as is Harry Brook. Uh, Sam Hayne, like you said, is performing so, so well in all formats. Um, it just seems like we've missed an opportunity to at least get one of those young guys in there. Uh, a little bit of continuity, you know, get to know the coach, let the coach get to know one of these young players. Mm. Uh, but we just see, I don't want to say it's a closed shop at the moment. It just doesn't feel like they're opening things up to the next batsman. I'm just going to play devil's advocate here, but perhaps one of the people that had a say in, in this doesn't want to see these impressive young players in the squad just yet because there is somebody who makes is part of these decisions that maybe realises that someone probably should
0: be in the team ahead of him. Owen Morgan, I'm talking about. <laughs> Uh, I, I just I think it's been like it a long time in the England shop. We're so oh, good. Yeah. It's hard good. to get a game. Um, but mm. Sam Hain is the one
1: in the one you would have gone for, list right? A cricket.
0: Mm-hmm. I think Sam Hain's problem in list A cricket, averaging 59. I think his problem mm. is
1: fifty nine. he's mm. probably
0: not quite as dynamic a hitter as the guys that get picked ahead of him. And yeah. that's it. Average... Doesn't matter, depending where you're batting in the order. It's, you know, how many balls can you face? How What's your strike rate looking like? What damage can you do? And maybe he's a little bit too old school. 15 years ago, you know, you've got the English version maybe of a Michael Bevan or something like that. Mm. But, um, yeah, very, very tough on him. But it, it's, sure. it's an interesting one for England. Like, they've played some ODI cricket. They lost to Australia, they lost to India they beat Sri Lanka and they beat Pakistan and they Mm. lost to, uh, no, beat Ireland 2-1 but they lost one of the games, Paul Sterling scored a ton, so it's not all sunshine and rainbows in one day international cricket and you know what, if we have a terrible 2023 World Cup the cries of we don't prioritise one day international cricket, one day cricket in England will go through the roof but well, I'm we not being it. pessimistic. Yeah. I am being pessimistic, but I don't want to. Yeah. No, absolutely. Right, let's get on to who we're playing,
1: because I think a lot of people want to know uh, who we are playing, the Netherlands squad. Captained by Peter Seller. I'm going to hammer some of these names. Uh, some easier than others, Scott Edwards, the wiki-keeper, thank you. Uh, <laughs> Musa Ahmed, Sheriz Ahmed, Logan Van Beek, Philippe Bosvain, Tom Cooper, big big name recall of uh, the Aussie. Uh, Aaron Dutt, Clayton F- uh, Floyd, Vivian Kingmer, Frederick Clarsen. Um, he might only be in for the third ODI, I've heard, because uh, okay. he's got commitments in the T20 for Kent. Uh, Ryan Klein, Bazda Lieder, Teja Nidamanuru, uh, Max O'Dowd, Tim Pringle, uh, Vikramjit Singh, and Shane Snater. Um, so the big news for Netherlands is the recall of veteran Aussie Tom Cooper. This is going to be his first ODI appearance, Rob, in over nine years. Uh, very, very well, uh, well experienced player. Thirty six, I believe he's now. Uh, Shane Snater and late bloomer Frederick Claassen—they're very well known county players now. Um, but as, as I've said, T twenty commitments—they might be that both of them are limited um, for this series. We shall see. Tim Pringle, interesting name. Nineteen-year-old bowling all rounder, son of ex New Zealand international Chris Pringle. He's had this is his first call up for him. Uh, he's now he's following that path of fellow Kiwi Frederick Claassen in moving into the Dutch setup. Um just before I know you've got some players that some in, in, interesting information, but um Frederick Clarson has been interviewed, I had a little chat with Crick Info. He picked out a few players that we should be keeping an eye on. So he had highlighted two 19-year-olds, Vikramjit Singh, stylish opening batter, apparently, and R. Dutt off-spinner, who dismissed Nicholas Peran three times in the three ODIs. Um they played recently at the same venue against uh, West Indies. He has high hopes as well for Bazdaleid, the twenty-two-year-old year old all-rounder um class said he's the best thing coming through dutch cricket at the moment he's got s star star t load of talent he could really go to the top (laughs) that that was how i read it from the page so quick info doesn't like anyone saying that word so yeah i think it's going to be it's, it's an interesting squad i'm really looking forward to getting to know some of these players we know some of the names we know some of them from performances, but we don't. We haven't seen a lot of these guys, and especially the young players—the uh, the three, the trio of of
0: nineteen-year-olds—that
1: uh, will get some game time as well. Really interesting squad.
0: They do. Cricket's a funny one in Holland. It's actually quite big. Like Amsterdam Cricket Club hosts a whole plethora of really good, talented overseas players. There was a a rain break over here during one of the test matches, and and the guys were just. Talking in the studio, and I can't remember exactly who it was, but it was ex Black Caps guy, and he was talking through playing cricket in Holland in the nineties and how good the mm. standard was. So many yeah. overseas pros, so many expats yeah. living, or expats from different countries living over there, yeah. Yeah. and you know, throwback. And I did tweet about it, and um, some people saw it. Was Lyndon uh, Lyndon Joseph was the fastest bowler in the Nottinghamshire Premier League year in year out. He mm. was rapid. And they were mm. talking about playing in Holland on these straw-type wickets, which I don't exactly understand. I need to Google some of that. But they said there was one bowler who everyone was petrified of, yeah. and it was Lyndon Joseph who played for the West Indian Cavaliers in Nottinghamshire Premier League. And Now, if you know Nottinghamshire Premier League cricket, they historically mm. have had Sackley Mushtak, Mushtak Ahmed, Alex Tudor, Philip De Freitas, also, Usunafsaal, uh, Bilal, Shafayat, <laughs> like all these guys have played for them over the years. And mm. it was quite interesting hearing um uh, to me it thrown me back to living in England, kind of going, mm. Oh yeah, I remember seeing him play for the West Indian Cows one day. Um, <laughs> but going into some of the players that's going on, mm. one that's particularly I am gonna struggle with this name, Teja Nidamanaru, who Nidamanaru Yeah, well Say it like you know it, Rob. Just just go with confidence. It might be wrong, mm. but just be confident. Nidamanaru. Manarou, mate, Nailed it. Uh, who is exactly. a product owner for a software company in Holland, which is great, and he works with Stephen Mybra, who used to play for Holland as well. Mm-hmm. Not that I've been checking him out on LinkedIn, but I found him on LinkedIn <laughs> by searching his name. Now, it, this comes from Andrew on Twitter. Yeah. Everyone knows Andrew, but at ShortFlySlip, uh, he's a Kiwi guy, and he posts virtually every single day about Kiwis playing around the world, and it's always worth following oh, nice. him because, you know, he's he's a wealth of knowledge, and this guy scored fifty-eight not out on his ODI debut for the Netherlands against the West Indies. He was born in India but moved to New Zealand when he was about four. He attended Mount Albert Grammar School, which is in Auckland, one of the big schools, and he took all ten wickets in an innings. Now he's not really bowling for the Netherlands; he's scoring runs, but he's called. He took ten wickets in a school game against Auckland Grammar, which is, you know, one of these schools in Auckland. Played for Cornwall 2017-18 um, and a bit down in Dunedin and scored a 50-ball ton after dislocating a finger against Takapuna in the National Club Finals. So, gritty, hell of a player, gritty, intelligent, working in software, probably having a great time living in the Netherlands as well. Um, but I thought it was really interesting. Guy took 10 wickets, then goes and scores a ton in the National Club Finals. Mm. Obviously, a very talented guy and 50-odd on debut as well. Max O'Dowd is a very, very local, went mm. to the school just around the corner from me. He gets in via a Holland or a Netherlands mother. He's in good form, 39-51-89 against the West Indies. He had a really poor T20 World Cup, and I had high hopes for him because he does go in and absolutely bash it when he gets going. Um, great strike rates, 124 strike rate in T20s. 70 strike rate in one day international was an average of 44.83. A lot of those games are against um, minnow-type countries, but it'll be good to go see him go and do a little bit more. Scott Edwards is the highest run scorer they have got this calendar year, 25-year-old, born in Tonga, grew up in Australia with a Dutch grandmother and was about to go in and do some apprenticeship when he got a call going, do you want to get him a cricket, mate? And uh, <laughs> since then, his life's been turned up upside down like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. 323 runs at an average of 35. Strike rate is 75. And the other one was Shane Snater, who you've called out already, but Zimbabwean-born Dutch cricketer, two ODIs to his name, cousin of, and I said this on the podcast previously, Jason Roy. So he will be having Ooh. a family affair in this game. 17 wickets at 22 Ooh. in the County Championship this year. And on the Championship Preview pod, Oh, or, or, sorry. One of the championship review pods. I remember. I think I was talking mm. to you, and I said, "I want to see how fast this guy go uh, bowls because mm. he has got a sneaky ability to just pick up wickets. He looks really yeah. talented. I'd like to see him more in white ball cricket. Hey, he's mm. in white ball cricket. and He's playing against yeah. his cousin. He's uh, he's got a, he's dangerous at the bat as well. But he scored some lower order runs, has not
1: he? As well, so that's going to be interesting. And obviously, Frederick Carson of Kent, late bloomer, Kiwi, uh, came over again on that uh, same." Seems like there's a lot of New Zealanders that uh, that moved over from the Netherlands, generation or two back. He was one of the leading wicket takers in T Twenty Blast last year. This is a dangerous guy. This is not a pushover team. There are some unknown quantities in these young players. We don't know. They could turn into the next Sachin Tendulkar or whatever. We don't know yet. <laughs> you just you don't know. Um. So so they're not a team to be uh to push one side. I think there's, there's plenty in the bowl and attack, assuming everyone's available. Um. And yet... Yeah, it's not like uh, Netherlands hasn't ever given England the, the hurry-up. Only twice in World Cups, 2009 and 2014, uh, yeah. where they overcame England. So who knows? Who knows? They did lose 3-0 to West Indies recently. But, they um, lost
0: 3-0 to the West hmm. Indies. They lost 3-0 to New Zealand and 3-0 to Afghanistan this year. So the they're 0-9. They, they lost three times in Doha. They yeah. lost three times over here. They got hammered by the Black Caps. Will Young, I think, yeah. got two centuries in that series. But the ones against the West Indies, they only mm. lost by 20 runs in the first game mm. at Amstelveen, where, you, where the second and third games are at, and then five wickets and seven wickets in the other one. So the, yeah. the, it's not going to be a pushover. No. I, we'll go on to predictions, but I expect England win to win 3-0. And I, I think mm. most people would expect England to win 3-0. But mm. part of me, whenever I watch sport, and, you know, with diehard England fans, If you're playing against a minnow, I don't just want to see them absolutely bowl them out for 80 and then win by 10 wickets. I want to see a game of some description. Mm. I want to see a Paul Sterling innings. I want to see that sort of stuff that you saw against Scotland when, Mm. was it Callum McLeod or Carl Coatser hit 100 odd and Scotland went and beat England in a one day. Mm. I want to see that. Maybe not the same outcome where they win, but I want to see some sort of competitive game. And I'm Really. really... Quite hopeful that the Netherlands are going to get that, and it should be a cracking atmosphere. Netherlands, yeah. England, like there'll be heaps of people going over.
1: Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, we we went for the Wednesday because we thought the Friday Sunday might be a little bit stag esque uh, yes. with the crowds coming over from England. So we're trying to go for the calm version. Uh, But probably it'll be rain. Uh, That'll that'll, that'll teach me. Um, Yeah, I mean, they they were competitive all three games against West Indies recently. Um, The highest score on this field, on those three ODIs, was 308. Lowest being 214, which was Netherlands batting first in the second game. Um, So they did put a pretty good account of themselves apart from that second game, which is a little bit under par. Uh, But it does seem like a pitch that, um, you know, and a facility that should put up a good game of cricket, some some good scores. It's whether or not uh, Netherlands, if they're batting first, can push up to that 300-plus. In order to really put some pressure, uh, pressure on England, because you know that's a, you know it's not the world record scores, but that in these days uh, we keep pushing the boundary, don't we, of what's a normal score in fifty-over cricket? But it, that's a, that's a challenging total, especially if you lose early wickets. And, and who knows with the new ball? We saw uh, the associate teams um, in the World Cup qualifiers, didn't we? Some of those bowlers, just because they're a small nations, doesn't mean that somebody can't get on a roll with the new ball and, and, and rip through a team or rip through a top order. So. England are going to have a, a you know a little bit up against it. It's a different condition. It's something they're not used to, not facility or a place they've played against. Players they have not played against. So they don't have all the all the stats and all the you know the the, the the tactics and the working out of what we do to this guy, how we face this guy, what he does with this. They're going to be learning on the fly, aren't they? Um, so it is a challenge, and I really, really am looking forward to it. It is going to be on Sky Sports. I just double checked; assumed it would be, but you will be able to watch all three games on Sky Sports. Um, I'm really looking forward to it now. I've got my suitcase out. I'm ready to get packed. A few days in Holland. Yeah, There's is... yeah. a bit of sightseeing. A bit of sightseeing and a bit of cricket.
0: I mean, how yeah, can you nice. turn hopefully you have an opportunity? A, but yeah. Hopefully you have a nicer, well, not nicer time. Mm. But we went on a cricket tour to Amsterdam to watch Warwick well, versus tour. Netherlands. <laughs> I think they were called Holland in the competition. But when they used to play yeah. in the English, like 40 over, 50 over competition, we went over, it rained, we never left the pub. We had four or five days just absolutely Hardings. on the Hardings. source in a bad way we, and barely made it home. Yeah, we did. So the game was in Warwickshire against
1: uh, Holland, wasn't it, in Rotterdam. We was in Amsterdam yes. and we got the train to Rotterdam. And because there was a bit of rain around, we never left the pub, as Rob said. And then we went back to Amsterdam. And by the time we got back to Amsterdam, the game had started. Yeah. So, so far, we have not watched any cricket in no, um, We watched it on the Holland. big
0: screen back in, in, in Amsterdam after yeah. taking the train
1: exactly there are many many night. more stories about
0: that trip which we will not be
1: sharing uh, no on definitely the not it's um,
0: a show. so thank you so much for listening everyone you mm. can find us on every single podcast platform going around we're mm. available on youtube if you are not watching us on youtube right now you can find us on there we're nearing on 1600 subscribers we can find us on tiktok and you can find us on twitter at leading edge pod so have a great weekend everyone enjoy the cricket rich enjoy amsterdam we'll be back next week Ready for a review of the Amsterdam Tour that Rich has been on with his with his missus and we'll find out how much cricket they actually got to see. Thank you, (laughs) please.